welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This week, me and Floyd are going to be reviewing three albums that have been recently released. The first one will be Catatonia, Sky Void of Stars. The second will be Ahab, The Coral Tombs. And the third will be The Forest Sessions by Jonathan Holton. So, Floyd, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. That was a really sleepy car ride, wasn't it? <laughs> that was so sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this intense light staring at us as well. I know. It's, uh, no, it's, uh, so, um, Catatonia. Catatonia. Sky Void of Stars. I enjoyed the album. So this is their first album on Napalm Records. So they've released quite a few albums on Peaceville. Uh, ran out of time to go back and check what the exact um, kind of like history is with their record labels because I think they definitely started on Peaceful because the the, the uh, earlier albums that I, I was a big fan of uh, were definitely released on there and then um, I think they left for a bit came back um, so Napalm Records I think we were saying the other day how Napalm seems to be getting a lot of traction in They're the music scene snapping up a lot of bands at the moment yeah I yeah. keep seeing emails saying they've been signed they're signing a new thing or a, another band which is impressive they must be doing really well and they've got the uh, the best uh, gothic industrial um, German death metal bands currently signed to them Crematory oh is that right yeah they ever show you the Crematory music video for Rise and Fall <laughs> I go watch that at some point it's, the, it's, it's, it's glorious another it's so Serpent good. Temple reaction video coming up soon it's so good I've definitely linked it before it's like the dude with the um, like the big guys the singer's called Felix and he wears like this long like trench coat and like he's got like a wallet chain and um, I love a wallet chain oh my the, god this guy he's got such an expressive face yeah, is the drummer bands. blind <laughs> no, I, think, I think he's just pulling a, uh, a cyclone and just wearing glasses because it's cool. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> oh, the song's hilarious as well. Yeah, like, it's, it's catchy as hell. Yeah. Sorry, Catatonia. We but need anyway. to take a minute. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm sorry. These guys are signed to Napalm Records as well. They're, they're label mates of Catatonia, so this is relevant. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, how, is he, how does he know what everything is? It's a dark room and this drummer's wearing sunglasses and just going for it. Are they plugged in? They're not plugged in, are they? I'm not sure. I, I don't think any of their instruments are plugged in. <laughs> I want to hear what this sounded like when they were when they were actually filming it. I bet it was amazing. <laughs> it's like you've seen that video of um, it's, I think it's one of the clips of Elvis performing, but they've done it like the actual audio version. It's like just <laughs> loads of scuffling noises. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so, so awkward. Funny. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, no, this is great. Not a single cable in sight. Imagine. Right, should we get back to... Anyway, um, Catatonia. <laughs> Catatonia. Um, yeah, this is an interesting album. They actually formed the year I was born. Did they really? Yeah, they did. What, 90... No, I'm not going to reveal it. 91. 91. It's funny, because I'll talk a little bit about the history of the band, because like, I am not um, overly familiar with so, a lot of their later works, but like, I had a bit of a... At a period of time, I was quite obsessed with some of their earlier albums. Like their first album, Dance of uh, December Souls, is like pretty much like quite a blueprint album for kind of like that Death Doom style. And then um, we were listening to a little bit of um, uh, Brave Murder Day on that the was way really up good. as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's got, and we were saying it's got Michael Ackerfeld from OPEF doing their guest vocals. Incredible, yeah. On most of the tracks. And it's, um, yeah, and it's kind of like now there's there's the albums not so familiar with, but at some point in time, they kind of transitioned to like this kind of progier, more modern 
kind of sound and it's like this album definitely kind of like exemplifies that it's got like a lot of the tracks in this album like it's just a bit bouncier yeah and like you know like it's a different type of catatonia like i still dig it like you know it's it's very different from their earlier albums which are so kind of like gloomy and dark and just really melancholic and morose and there is moments on this album that still retain that sense of you know like melancholy but overall like it's a far more uh accessible affair much in the same way as um uh, the uh, the previous albums like City Burials was the last one I think I believe apologies for got that wrong <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to correct no. you <laughs> this is my first Catatonia album so oh really yeah, yeah yeah it's it's definitely worth going back and just listening to some of the uh, older stuff because I felt like you, you were quite into the stuff of Brave Murder Day right I did like it a lot yeah yeah yeah, yeah this is interesting they kind of remind me of a depressive Mars Volta this album yeah I kind of get that yeah, yeah it's like really like the the kind of higher register vocals. Um, and, and like the lyrics are all like incredibly personal, which I'm not kind of used to in this sort of in this like funeral doomy kind of context. Not that this one is as doomy or funerally. I don't know. Funerary. Um, but yeah, like there, there's literally I will quote a lyric. Marriott, New York, checking in to be held by you. It's like yeah. something from like a, an indie track from the noughties, isn't it? It's, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's really like, um, I don't know. I, I think as a teenager, I would have been like, whoa. <laughs> you know and like as an adult i'm kind of like oh yeah i see i see what they're doing there like i think it's effective totally what do you, what do you think is the single most um kind of iconic lyric in metal history what's the one that kind of <laughs> oh no uh, if you don't like metal leave the hall <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what do you think uh, there's a well i don't know there's there's loads to choose from do you ever remember the band uh, three inches of blood yeah of course um they've got one track called crazy nights which isn't a cover of the kiss song crazy nights it's a different song and there's just a bit they're talking about like playing metal shows and stuff and there's a bit where he's just like screaming it's like hammersmith is calling me and it's just like <laughs> that's so funny it's just so cringy but it just it, it kills me <laughs> anything by man of war is like so cringe but it's iconic at the same yeah. time yeah but it's um yeah it's it's interesting listening to a modern day Catatonia album because I feel like it is a lot more kind of jaunty and the lyrics are a bit a bit less depressing mm. than they were when I was more familiar with the band. Um, like funnily enough, that one of their earlier albums, so Discouraged Ones, which I think was released about the turn of the millennium, two thousand and one, might even be a bit early, might even be ninety nine. But they've got a track called Gone, and it's just the most bleak song I've ever listened to. No way! It's so fucking like depressing. But I love it. It's a great track. And this is like so different. So it's been quite an interesting experience to listen to this album, you know, not being too familiar with their latest stuff mm. and kind of like seeing where the band are at uh, um, in 2023. Um, but it's been really critically acclaimed online. So like a lot of people are really digging this album. And uh, and yeah, I enjoy it. It's good. My favorite track on the album is um, No Beacon to Illuminate Our Fall, which is the second last track on the album. The last track, if you're not including the bonus track. And uh, that's definitely my favorite track on the album because it's got some real serious kind of like groove and swing to it. And I think, you know, some of the more proggier elements of the album really kind of remind me of like Opeth in the more... Yeah. In the most lighthearted moments. And, um, and yeah, just like there's some, yeah, there's a lot of this album that I could really kind of like dig and get into. I think it's just wrapping my brain around that this isn't the same band <laughs> yeah. I was into like 20 years ago. <laughs> that, that, uh, I guess it must be very different people compared to back then, too, because that's like a whole lifetime for me of yeah. experience that they, they're channeling into like all these different albums that they've released. There's also so many members by, by the looks of the picture Shem's pulled up. I've also noticed that two of them are in Bloodbuff which is good stuff. 
Yeah, they are, yeah. It's, Anders uh, Nistrom. And Jonas Renkska? Ren- Renkska? Yeah, so he's the long-time vocalist. It's funny because the first album, Dance of December Souls, he's actually doing harsh vocals. Oh. It's like just like really like super pain screams before he started adopting like a like a clean uh, vocal style. Interesting. Um, but yeah, they're two of the long-time members. So they've been, as far as I'm aware, they've both been members of Catatonia more or less from the beginning. Yeah. Like so, it's um, and then the other members of the band, I think, would have started around about 2015 time, I think. So it's, uh, which is quite common for a, a long running band, really. You know, I mean, it's, um, I think it's rare to find a band that's begun as long as Catatonia have that have, you know, any. The same members. Yeah. yeah. I mean, having two members, I would say, is a rarity. Like, normally it's just the one guy. It's <laughs> yeah. only the bassist. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else has fallen out. <laughs> the bassist has hung around I mean, <laughs> for the longest time. Yeah. But no, it's um, oh, what band was it? It's like uh, Mashuga, I think. It's I the think same Meshuga. fucking members. Yeah, yeah, it's really rare. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're just like really chill. Yeah, just super, super laid back. But it's a long time for like your life to remain stable enough that you can also be in a band, like yeah. for essentially like over thirty years. Well, yeah, when you, I suppose if you think about it, they've weathered quite a lot of storms in the music scene during that time as well. You yeah, know, they've the decline of vinyl. The rise of CDs, the decline of CDs, the rise of streaming, the decline of streaming. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't forget the rise and very quick decline of mini discs. <laughs> I love mini discs yeah. so much. <laughs> They're so cute. I would think we should we should have like a mini disc player in our phones. Yeah. How cool would that be if you could That'd just slot sick. a little disc into your phone? I, I don't know anyone that had mini discs. I had mini discs. No, did you? I had ABBA on mini disc and Creedence Clearwater Revival. I thought you were going to say Creed for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't cool enough to listen to Creed. No, I used to put them into, we had like a, I think we still have it somewhere, like a Sony Hi had a CD player, a cassette player, and a mini disc player. That's wild. It was so cute. It was really small as well, but yeah, we had it for like the early 90s. Yeah, God. What's the other one? Betamax as well? I never had Betamax. No. I've still got my Walkman with um, cassette in it. And I used to, my early interviews when I was like a teenager, I'd record interviews on tape oh, on my cool. Walkman, and people would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. I remember the funny thing about like back in the Walkman days and the tape days was I remember um, recording tracks off of the radio using it. <laughs> and then, like, there were certain tracks where I would listen to that I can't, like, they'll have, like, like a radio announcement towards the end of the song. And that that's what I always expect that to, Come to in like, the pop into song. the song. Like, <laughs> and I'm like just like, it's, I can't train my brain to unhear it. Amazing. But now, yeah. yeah. But no, so I think uh, for anybody that's a fan of Catatonia, they're probably going to get a lot out of this album. And for newer people, such as kind of well for you and, and me, I think, you know, it's worth a shot, in my opinion. I've I've heard it's a really good album to get into if you've not listened to Catatonia, which is why I was like really up for reviewing this. I think you were saying that Opaline was your favourite track. Yeah, I I wrote down that it's like a breakup anthem. Opaline. It's got like these really um, beautiful kind of... It's got a really good vibe to it. Like a lot of the album was really vibey. They had like these pulsing keyboards and there yeah. was like at the same time a kind of pop punk mix to it as well. But I thought that track sounded like it had like a horn at the beginning or something. Yeah. Like it was... Um, it's there's great there's definitely some interesting like synth and keyboard work on this album like it definitely adds a lot to the atmosphere which is like that's definitely more of a of a more modern thing with with this band I feel like with their newer stuff Cause I don't ever remember there being much keyboard or synth work on the earlier albums but they were always quite stripped back as a band mm. so it's uh, but yeah no that was a great track uh, I thought author was a great track as well that had a really cool groovy riff that kicked in about one minute. 
into the track. Uh, good solo as well. I was going to say, in Impermanence, right? Is that from um, Joel Ekeloff? From so Zone? the track below was the one that had the great... So- uh, the track below? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Impermanence. As, as above, so below. Nice. The track before um, Author was the one that had the great solo, but um, uh, Impermanence was also a great track. Yeah. Uh, that had some really cool, like, dual lead work. Totally. Um, and just, yeah, just like, like really soaring choruses. There's a lot of, like, soaring vocal melodies on this album. Mm. Like, like, he's still quite, like, reserved and morose sounding, but, like... It's it's much happier than I remember Catatonia sounding. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds beautiful. I think there's some really interesting moments and I kind of wish I had like 30 years of Catatonia listening experience that I could bring to it to like kind of see it from the lens that you're seeing. Because I guess it's like when you've got such a huge body of work, because I was looking at like the the list of releases they have and there's it's a significant amount, they're prolific. Um, I feel like it's really difficult to view an album as a, as a single entity in this kind of context. So I feel like I'm kind of looking at like a tiny pixel in a big picture. I think, yeah, you're spot on there because there's so many bands who, when we review the album, it's impossible for me not to mention other albums, like Immolation, for example, yeah. like reviewing them or, you know, like even like a band like Blind Guardian. Like I'm constantly thinking about, especially if I'm really familiar with the back catalogue, I'm constantly thinking and comparing it to other albums. Oh, that sounds like something from this album. That sounds like something from... So it's um, that's why this is quite a bit of a unique experience for me because I've been really like not not been paying attention to Catatonia for the longest time. So it was kind of like you know a bit of a, a shock to the system to kind of hear what they sound like now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was great. Great stuff, Catatonia. Shall we move on to Ahab, the Coral Tombs? Yes, let's. Yes, this is a German band formed in two thousand and four in Heidelberg, Baden-Württemberg, according to Metal Archives. Maybe that's who was trying to call you. Yeah, honestly, that was a really strange phone call. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is a really cool... I, you know what? I'm, this is going to be something that only us in the room understand, but I need to send this to Tyrone. Oh, he yeah. would love this album. This is like a proper like depressive sea shanty album. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. It really is. <laughs> yeah, but they, they sound so nautical. They I can't, do. Uh, I can't explain what it is about it. Like, yeah, you know, that's what like the 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 lyrics are about and stuff. But at the same time, they 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 actually sound like it. It's like this album sounds like the Lassophobia. It does. It sounds deep. Like it's like it, it sounds like. Okay, I hate to say it, but you know that Pirates of the Caribbean film with is it Javier Bardem? I've seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean film. Okay, so there's one. It's not Javier Bardem. It's like. Or maybe it is. It's it's um he's amazing. He's like this Spanish cursed pirate. Um it's in like the fifth one or however many there are. Christ, I never got that far. Yeah, well. Um they're not too bad. I mean is that is that him? Yeah. That guy, it sounds like that guy. The vocals sound like this guy, but not Spanish. But he's got he's got such a sick voice. Like his voice acting is so good in that film. Um and like yeah, he's like cursed to live in the deep or some shit and like they go in this like cursed fire triangle Bermuda triangle thing and he comes up and he's like, I'm gonna fuck you up um anyway you say it like that yeah um, <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you up I'm gonna fuck you up mate <laughs> <laughs> I love Javier Bardem he's one of my favourite actors of all time he's absolutely great genius in, um, have you watched Sicario I haven't oh my god that film is so fucked up I love it but it's yeah he's great in that oh he's really good in um uh, is it No Country for Old Men yeah oh my god he's so fucking good in that film like there's this moment right at the beginning where he like strangles someone to death and you can see him like 
genuinely like channeling a psychopath. Like his eyes are just like terrifying in the most interesting way. Oh, if you enjoyed that, you'll love Sicario because there's a moment in there, I won't spoil it, where it's like one of the most tense moments in cinema I've ever Ooh. experienced. So right near the end as well. My favourite moment in cinema ever is in No Country for Old Wet Men and it's um, Bardem and he's talking to a guy in a service station Yeah, and he's just telling the guy to flip a coin. And like, it's a really, he's like buying some nuts and telling a guy to flip a coin. That's the entire conversation, but it's the best acting I have ever seen in my whole life. It's so good. He, he's, he gives him the coin when he wins the flip. And he's like, this is, this is your lucky coin. Don't get rid of it. But it, it, it is like any other coin. Yeah. I've never seen that film. That's uh, is that Daniel really Day-Lewis. really good. I think so. Is it Daniel? Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Oh, Josh Brolin. oh sorry. I'm thinking of There Will Be Blood. Right? Josh Brolin is in Sicario, yes. Interesting. I wonder who the director is. But yeah, honestly, I really recommend that film. It's bloody good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch it at some point. Yeah, it's great stuff. And what were we saying? Yeah, this album, it's it's definitely got this like really interesting, colourful voice. It's yeah. The vocals I really like, because you, you were comparing his vocals to the dude from Pirates. That's right. And um, like I have always been a fan of like, that uber, ultra, like guttural, like toilet bowl, kind of like mm. subterranean vocal style. And he's always done it really well. There's some cool guest vocals on this album as well. So the first track, uh, Professor Aranak's Descent into the Vast Ocean, uh, which is a reference to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. sea. Yes. That's featuring uh, the vocalist Chris from the band Ulther, which is a black metal band. Um, So that is where the more kind of like uh, histronic um, vocals, uh, that's who is performing the more histronic vocals in that track. It's really chaotic. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. Like the beginning of that track as well is just so like, what a fucking start to the album. You're like, is it going backwards? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Dragged, Dragged into Sunlight and just how kind of like uh, claustrophobic and kind of oppressive it sounds. Mm. And then the last track, The Maelstrom, uh, is featuring uh, Greg from Esoteric. So a UK a funeral do- doom band. We're playing with them. Yeah, we're playing you with Esoteric. Oh, yeah, you guys are. Yeah, yeah. Plug. Yeah. We're playing with Esoteric on the 5th of March. That master, Masters of the Riff, is it? Or, yeah, Masters yeah. of the Riff. Come and see us play. We'll be there. They're cool live. He he plays with a uh, like a headpiece. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Sick. Like headpiece, headset. Oh my god, that's so cool! Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, no, just always think that just looks so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You could do, you could dance at the same time. You could pull some sick moves. But um, I saw them. They were headlining the show. It was them, Bell Witch, and some other bands. Can't remember who else. <laughs> was it the Godflesh show? No, it wasn't Godflesh. Oh, it was okay. uh, I really can't remember who else was there. But uh-huh. I went to watch Bellwitch and Esoteric as well because I'm a fan of them. Nice. And someone else was playing. Can't remember. It was back in like 2017. Oh yeah, there's no way we're gonna remember that. Shem is frantically googling though. <laughs> but he also has um, a similar vocal style to um, um, Daniel from Ahab. You know, it's that ultra kind of guttural style. And mm. there's just you know what this album just overall. There's just so many cool fucking moments in it. There really are. It's it, it's it's a long haul. If you're not into the funeral doom style or don't have the attention span to uh, sit with a ten minute track, then you're going to struggle because each each track is about ten minutes long. It's very funerary. You are literally being dragged twenty thousand le- leagues under the sea <laughs> yeah. as you listen to this. It just gets deeper and deeper. 
but it's got you know it's got everything you'd expect and love to hear in an Ahab album. There's like some really cool like morose acoustic segments. There's some they 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 they're kind of similar to bands like a uh, Cult of Lunar and Neurosis in the sense that they like to take their time to build up the atmosphere to a song, mm. and it kind of crescendos in a way that is just so kind of fucking cool. Uh, the second track, uh, Colossus of the Liquid Graves. Has a has a really actually cool amount of like punch and groove to it. Yeah, like the production's amazing. Everything sounds like really bombastic and loud. Um, like it, it, but not too like crystal clear as well. Like it sounds like gritty and mm. like kind of like salty. I love the lyrics and like of all the, the whole album, I've done like a, my whole thing where I go deep in the lyrics. But this track. I remember like I, I I was like reading the lyrics at the same time and I was like, this rocks. So my favorite verse in this is uh, tentacles furnished with rows of hooks, bleedful watchers, hideous mollusks. What vitality, what vigor in all parts and they possess their hearts. Oh, that's, that's cool. It's, that's great. I could just yeah. imagine a pirate reading that out in a tone <laughs> like, aye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good shit. <laughs> it's great, man. I think my favorite track was probably uh, Mobilis in Mobili. Oh, that was mine as well. I think that's been released as a single, if I'm not mistaken. It's cool because it starts with like this kind of like bubbling like sounds, like a sample. Yeah. And then the track just builds so well, and it's just such a fucking absolute beast of a track. Like it's just super, super heavy, like super groovy, and just like super fucking atmospheric. Just totally um yeah like i've been sitting with this album for just under two weeks now so i listened to this i actually bought it on Bandcamp. oh nice uh, just to prove that i still purchase music legally <laughs> legally yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um and yeah it's great like i'm glad i did i loved the previous album uh bloats um, bloats <laughs> <laughs> oh it's on such a good run oh that's such a good run i love the previous album <laughs> <laughs> That's sorry, I'm getting confused with the name of my uh, diet program. <laughs> but now it's uh, Boats of the Glen Carrig. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Bloats. Do you know what's so annoying about that? I was on such a good run before then. Like, I literally, I don't think I've fucked up a single oh, word. You did so well, yeah. Oh. Bless you. <laughs> but another cool thing, Hallmark, about this album that's still in place is the artwork. So it's the same mm. guy, uh, Sebastian Yerk, who's done the artwork for most of the previous albums. Maybe not the first one, but definitely The Giant, definitely uh, Boats of the Glen Carrick. And now this album, it's a cool kind of like distinct style. It's kind of a little bit reminiscent of some of like the uh, some of the metalcore artwork that was kicking about in like the mid 2000s. Like it's kind of got like, like almost like a comic esque appearance to it, like really like kind of cartoonish kind of lines. But it totally works for the um, the album and this band and this style. And they're all the it's very not it's got, it got like a giant squid on it, Shem. Or? Yeah, it's got a giant squid. And the thing I really love about this right is that every single song is referenced in that cover. So you've got the Nautilus, which is the ship of Captain Nemo, ah. and you've got the squid that they're describing in the second song. You've got like this whole horde of um, of like underwater explorers. You've got the coral tombs, literally, like all around, like the grave, the gravestones. Yeah, there's like there's something. I think you can. Yeah, I guess the kraken. Um, yeah, like the maelstrom is like above them. I think with those sharks and the the thingy. I guess that's a maelstrom, right? It's a whirlpool. So yeah, it's really cool. Like you can see all all the everything's properly referenced in the cover, which is it's quite difficult to do with like a seven track album. Yeah, that's impressive. That that's well well observed. I, I didn't clock that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty sick. Oh, nice. Oh, there's the Colossus, and then the Kraken's behind him. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I, you know what? I really like how on like the artwork is like a really good way to talk about how everything in the album is like really well conceptualized. So like in the first song, it introduces you to Captain Nemo, who's the main character, well, he's a character in 20,000 Leagues. His name means like no one in Latin. Um, and then like mobilis and mobili is his like, um, it's his catchphrase. It's like on his flag and it means motion within motion or change within change. Ah. So it's really interesting because this character, he's actually like in the first few books um, that, that um, Jules Verne wrote, he was like, it was kind of ambiguous. He was, he's like probably European, but then it turns out he's actually like the son of a Indian Raja. So he's actually like, he's not white and he's anti-imperialist. So he's like basically traveling the seas and he's shooting down ships that belong he's like the sea belongs to no one he literally in, in mobilis and mobili they, they write it to tyrants the depths don't belong which is from the books killing for killing's sake superiors earthly honors be gone these men and maids are the oppressed behold all that i condemn oppression comes in many shades so it's like a proper like anti i don't know about if it's anti-capitalist but it's like definitely it's, it's on it's on brand because today is like the strike day in the uk yeah. and he basically in in the books he's like the nautilus is like going underneath the ocean and like shooting down these like colonial ships and like these ships that are like shipping weapons across the ocean and stuff can i just say this music video from mobilis Mo mobili is on a boat oh is it yeah <laughs> oh that's legit that's cool man so have you read the jules verne's I yep. love Jules Verne. I yeah. love his stuff. I haven't read it in years, but yeah. I adore his work because he's like, um, what is it? Journey to the Center of the Earth is like one of my favorites. Yeah. And basically, like, there's loads of geological stuff in it, like, like, like nerding out about like mica and cool rocks and like crazy creatures and and like the tension of like traveling to the center of the planet and like all these worlds opening up to you. And I remember being a kid and like seeing. It's been a long time. I don't even know who made the, who made the films or who's in them. But there, there's films of, of Journey to the Centre of the Earth. And I think also 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, they're like proper old, aren't they? They're, like, they're yeah. really old, but yeah. they're amazing. Like as a kid, I think it pretty much like opened my eyes to fantasy. I remember being like really young and seeing those on TV in the daytime. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, they're really good films, honestly. I don't know. Oh, my God, there's been remakes. The Brendan Fraser one. Oh, shit, yeah. Brendan Fraser. No way. He's probably a shoe in for the Oscar this year, I think. I hope he gets it. He deserves it, man. I love Brendan Fraser. So wholesome. I grew up with him. He was like, you know, just so How was he? How was he? Apparently I don't have words to describe. But yeah, he was great. Uh, Jules Verne, great writer, man. I really enjoyed his stuff. I, I love the Mummy films. I thought they were oh. great. I've not seen the third one, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I don't like, think I've seen that either. It's it's not got the same Evie, so Rachel Weisz. Oh, she is so amazing, Rachel Weisz. Um, I, I love everyone her. had a crush on her. Yeah, I have well, a crush I on her. I, they're all hot. What? <laughs> How could you say that? She's perfect. She's like one of the most perfect people I've ever seen. She's so beautiful. It's Stephen Summers who directed those films. He um, he also done uh, Van Helsing. Really, I Hugh love Jackman. that. That is so bad, but I love it. And the the sisters, Dracula's wives, so fucking hot. Oh, just they're beautiful. And like, it's got um fucking Monica Bellucci. Yeah, yeah, she's so beautiful. Oh my god, and the blonde lady. Oh, the the. Anyway. Do you mean um, Kate uh, Beckinsale? No, she's not blonde in that. That's not her. Van Helsing. Van Helsing. No, there's like um no the blonde one's Kate Beckinsale. No, no, the Kate Beckinsale's the like the oh, uh, the other protagonist. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I, she she never really did it for me, but um Dracula's wives amazing. Okay. <laughs> she was like, what? <laughs> I love how corny that film is. It's one it's, of the cheesiest it's films. A great film. it's Dracula good, in stuff. it just fucking kills me. And I love how, I love how Shakespearean um, Frankenstein's monster is. He's just like. <laughs> I was, I was 
I was literally talking about this the other day. Do you remember there's Quasimodo's in it? And there's a bit where he's like, he tricks Van Helsing and he's like, you think you trick Quasimodo, but he trick you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a bit where they're strapping Frankenstein's monster into like, into this machine to try and generate enough power oh. to, to like bring alive Dracula's brood. And sorry, like... Yeah, I love those outfits, man. There's just one line he says that always gets me, that I always quote, because goes, I am well accustomed to pain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, Faramir's in it. No yeah, way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, oh, I can't remember the actor that... Carl... No. That's Carl Urban you're thinking of. No, I am. Uh, his, oh, you know, his name is Carl in the movie, in Van Helsing. His character's called Carl. Oh. I can't remember the fucking actor's name. Oh, he looks great But yeah, you're right. I was thinking of Carl Urban as well. <laughs> David Wenham. I would wow. never remember that in the movie. The character is Carl in the film. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, good but, film. Um, say, just bring back to Ahab quickly. Um, my first experience <laughs> no, with... Uh, about Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> my first experience with uh, Captain Nemo and the whole 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea kind of like law was that really shitty um, film in the 2000s, you know, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, my God, So the yeah. Alan Moore adaptation, which was... Uh, that I was love just, that film. Did you? Uh, that film was... Just it's a mess, but I like. It has some like. Um, it's got what's his face in it. Um, Sean Connery. It's it's Sean Connery. That's, yeah, Sean Connery. It. that's my Sean Connery impression, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Captain Nemo is also. Um, I didn't know this, but it was a pseudonym that Odysseus adopted when he defeated the Cyclops Polyphemus in the Odyssey. Oh, so cool. Nemo's already. It's like a double seafaring name. Oh, cool. That's such a cool choice by Van, and also these guys to include it because I yeah, you don't really see Van stuff that often. These days, anyway. Not these days. Not like the old days. <laughs> not, not like the good old days. Good old days. But well, Nemo looked like that in the extraordinary. Yeah, well, Nemo's supposed to be Indian. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly, like, I was, I, I looked at a list of pack actors that have played Captain Nemo. Here we go. James Mason, Herbert Long, Patrick Stewart, <laughs> Nazruddin Shah, who I think is that one, Ben Cross, Michael Caine, has nice. played Captain Nemo. The, the most recent, uh, there's going to be one that's coming out in a few years with uh, Shazad Latif. As Captain Nemo, okay, which I'm into because he was a great, he's great Klingon in Star Trek. Okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> <It's>, um... <laughs> okay, yeah. right, cool. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about Star Trek, so I, can, I couldn't confirm or deny whether or not he was a good Klingon. The car from *Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen* is so. Cool. That's a pretty cool car. If you ran someone over with that, that would be pretty it's brutal. So it's got Ganesh on it. It does. It from this far away though, the lights look like little silly faces. It's like uh, two Brums strapped either side to a car. Did you ever watch Brum? Yeah, I remember Brum. What the love Brum. yeah, the anthropomorphic car. So eyes used to kind of creep me out a bit. Oh, I loved it. It used to blink, right? But there was like the outro where, like, it might be in the intro where, like, the lights dim and you see its yeah. eyes last. Yeah, he drives back into his little warehouse yeah. and goes to sleep. That's so cute. I Bum, went to drive him. It reminds me of being ill because it would come on a bit too. <laughs> if you were like sick from school, it would like if you were at school, you would have missed it. Yeah. But if you were off, then you would have. Oh, caught it. it's true. Yeah, that's ter- that's terrifying, man. I love Brum. You're nah. going to see him staring into your window one night. Yeah, no, that's my new sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> I'd love Brum as my sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be fine with that. That's that, that is kind of intense, though, right? Like that is. It's intense, but yeah. I'm into it. I dig yeah. it. Oh, Brum goes shopping. Oh my god, Brum in Tesco. <laughs> so cute, and his little his little doors open up when he's excited and he flaps about. It's adorable. <laughs> Why have kids when you can have Brum? <laughs> I mean, do both. Yeah, <laughs> that's just car crash pictures. Now it's horrible. In Birmingham. Oh no! Ah, <laughs> that's terrible SEO. Anyway, back to Ahab. Um, 
Yeah, so I love the Nemo uh, theme throughout the album. I love that there's like this uh, kind of anti-imperialist slant on it as well. I'm super into that. Yeah. Yeah, just overall, just a fantastic album. Sounds great. Production's amazing. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the bass work, uh, uh, Stefan Van der North, the bassist. Uh, there's one track in particular which I thought like the bass really stood out, and it was the um, the Sea is a Desert. Mm. Um, it just sounded so crystal clear, but like still so heavy and just like really holding down the groove. And, and you know, I just feel like it's just one of those instruments. You know, when you grow up listening to a lot of metal from the, um, I said that really, um, <laughs> a lot of metal. A lot of Michael Caine. A lot of heavy metal. We grew up listening to a lot of metal from like the 80s and 90s. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of times where like the bass is really kind of like understated and lost in the mix. But I feel like now with like production, production becoming more modern, it's um, there's a lot more albums now that really highlight it as an instrument. And I think it's cool because I think it really adds a lot to an album when it's more audible. Mm. No, I agree. I think this is great. Um, I feel like it's a grower as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's it. I need a bit more time to sit with it because it is a long album. I think clocks in at about 50 minutes. You know, each track is about 10 minutes plus long, uh, some, some a bit under. But it's uh, but yeah, like like a lot of the other albums, you know, it kind of kind of festers over time. And <laughs> festers. Grows on you and kind of like <laughs> You become a barnacle. Yeah. You end up becoming part of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great stuff, man. Um, we have one more album, which is probably going to be a quick one, because I don't think you've had time to listen no, to it. I've not had time to listen to this, sadly, because I'm getting ready to go to Birmingham for a week. So all that talk of Brum, <laughs> um, I will be going to Brumland myself. The home so. of Brum. Well, no, technically not Birmingham, because it's at the NEC, which is apparently under a different postcode. But I will be ah. near Birmingham for a week. So Brum will meet an invisible no. wall when he tries to come and haunt your sleep. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, the next I didn't mean for that to sound sarcastic. <laughs> Anyway, the next album is by Jonathan Holton, um, and it is The Forest Sessions. So this is like pretty much an acoustic album. Um, Jonathan Holton used to be in Tribulation, um, and this is like very, very different to probably his work in that album. Um, this is his like second, in that, I don't know why I said album, in that band. This is like his second release, um, and it's kind of like a variation into some degree on his first one. Um, but I, oh my God, I just love his music and, and their style is really beautiful. Um, they kind of have this androgynous look, like loads of different types of like, it's not corpse paint, but it's like very, like very pale, kind of like 70s, 60s gypsy look with like incredibly highlighted eyes and, and big earrings and dresses and interesting headpieces. And it just looks so paired with the music. It, it conjures this world that, um, it reminds me a lot of this artist, Seb McKinnon, who um, does this incredible fantasy art. He's like well known for his work in Magic the Gathering cards. And this music is like, it really is, I mean, the first release is Songs from Another Place or Chants from Another Place. Yeah. Um, and it very much feels like you're in another world when you're listening to him. And he, I think he lives in Sweden and he goes and they perform in these like beautiful woodlands and they're just playing acoustic guitar dressed in this incredibly, incredible way in the middle of nature singing these beautiful songs of like really kind of folky but but their own style of of acoustic music with like gorgeous harmonies intertwining melodies um and like it's also really comforting it's like kind of dark but then at the same time you kind of feel like they're telling you it's going to be okay yeah which is really nice um yeah like they have songs like call to adventure the mountain where devils weep i think that and the and the pillars tremble is my favorite 
um, and like they just they're, they're described in their in their um, their bio as enigmatic, which I think is very much the case. And the comparisons um, that they they put down in their band camp is like Nick Drake, um, who I love. I don't know if you've listened to Nick Drake stuff. No. Oh, not familiar. Really? I was going to say Nick Cave for a second, but then Nick Drake. Maybe yeah. some Nick Cave, but no, Nick Drake, um, really beautiful singer, like amazing voice, really like really good lyricist as well. Um, and I think Holton like definitely brings that to the fore as well. Like their music, you can tell the lyrics like really lend well to the melodies in terms of like the intonation and where, where the words are placed in the song and the way that they're being. I think he's kind of like, they're like a singer's singer to an extent like I think a lot of vocalists would absolutely love it and like the poetry is it's actually poetry it's not like lame like stuff that someone's just like I have to put some words here. yeah it's like an some afterthought words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's like very much considered and it's really beautifully put together it's like really artful and I think a, a big something I would love to do is see them in performance because a big part of their work I think is their videos as well like they're merging the music with visual art to a degree so I think it's like really beautifully done I think Shem's put something up that um but it's just a black screen it's right now black, it's, yeah. got black. Yeah. it's gone black it's gone black this isn't one of the live um performances it's an animation, but they, they did like a roadburn road burn performance. There's loads. There's like uh, literally the whole album's worth of videos pretty much was on that, YouTube. Uh, was that the, that roadburn that was pretty much just all online? It was all inside and online, yep. yeah. And they did a performance literally in the woods. Wow. It's so beautiful. And yeah, like in this video as well, like there's a moment where like when the, the moment the music starts, they look into the camera. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's like, it's so, so well curated. Cool. Kind of reminds me a bit of like that kind of kabuki style. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like uh, Klaus Nomi. Klaus Nomi. You mean um, the, the artist that did the Dracula uh, poster? The Klaus, uh, is it Klaus Kinski? No, Klaus Nomi. Klaus, is it Klaus Nomi? Oh, right. Okay, that's interesting. I've not heard of them. But yeah, it's really gorgeous stuff. That's cool. So is it literally just vocals, guitar? There's organs and there's like yeah. a bit of um, like pulsing symphony keyboard as well nice. in some of them. I think the organs work really well. Yeah. Like they really lend like this kind of ethereal, like not not Christian, but like kind of sacred vibe, sacred like intensity to the music that I think works really well. So they must have left Tribulation to kind of focus on more of this kind of solo stuff, I imagine. Basically, like, they left Tribulation and Tribulation um, said in an interview afterwards that they nearly broke up. Oh, really? Because of Holton leaving. Yeah. yeah, I think they'd, they'd been an integral part of the band for a long time. And I think the reasons that Holton gave was that they wanted to focus more on, on um, I think, like, I can't remember exactly what they said, but focus more on their own thing. I think yeah. it sounds like they really wanted to explore this part of, of their musical of their musical like consciousness soul i don't know how you describe it but yeah you can you can very much tell this is like really a part of who holton is yeah that's fair enough and i think you know more power to people that um that, that realize they want to explore a musical direction that's more true to them mm. um and tribulation themselves are quite i mean i wouldn't call them avant-garde like, they're not like imperial triumphant but they are like you know quite it's quite cool what they do like it's yeah. not too it's not very homogenous there's not many bands that kind of sound exactly like tribulation totally yeah they've always had that kind of gothic um uh, element to the music and just even like slightly romanticized take on like black and death metal mm. like at times it didn't even sound like an extreme metal band but it's like but they've definitely got a lot of dna 
there. But no, I definitely want to give this album a listen. I mean, this sounds really quite cool. Even just the visuals from the uh, uh, the music video actually look really like it's. Uh, it would be be cool to watch and listen to a, a video or a song about nature. Not have to worry about it having links to. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, originally it's so striking. Like this video, I think they're like uh, reversing and then also slow, slowing and speeding up at the same time. Like the movements of Holton's arms. Yeah, that's and sick. It's so. It's like so cool. It's like it's its own thing. I can't think of anything else like this. It's kind of like if you. It's kind of like if you got Dennis Villeneuve to direct an immortal video. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Like seeing this, I'm like, oh, I'd love to do my own version of this. Uh, as I like, do this. yeah, yeah, same. Like this is so inspirational. We watched like Color of Pomegranates a few weeks oh, ago, which is so incredible film. I probably shouldn't say this because every band's gonna rip us off no, now. We watched. Okay, we watched Boop. There was a film we watched. It was incredible, and like we're we're gonna basically very much use elements of that film in our future music videos. And seeing Holton do this is like we're absolutely not gonna rip them off, but it's inspirational. It's like very inspirational, and like seeing them um, doing doing this. Like, there's a lot of um, like yeah, Nick Drake. This Pentangle is like a huge influence on me in terms of like acoustic. I think we actually covered one of their songs, uh, one of their albums. I think it was Life Flight. Um, it's like their best song. It's so good. It's so, it's like the most complex acoustic music I've ever heard. It's like really, it's very much influenced by like early folk music as well. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I, I love folk music personally. I think it's, um, when done right, I reckon it's probably some of the most soul-searing music that's out there. Totally. I think it really, it really like drives into like the primal ancient selves that we don't end up getting to kind of feel in our daily lives yeah because of like i mean i don't know where holton lives if he's like living somewhere suburban or like really rural or what but yeah we live pretty much in the city yeah so yeah we have a very different i feel like this this kind of music is um because i feel like metal is very primal but there's different elements of, of primality and like metal and then also i think that's why a lot of us like acoustic music because this kind anyway because it is still tapping into that like ancient aggressive beastly part of ourselves but maybe it's not beastly it's more like i just want to go and hug a tree and smell some moss yeah it's it's a weird one for me because like growing up um like i've always lived in london and always lived pretty much in the center of london as well and um i think being surrounded by such like an industrialized landscape was always a strange juxtaposition because every holiday we'd go up to scotland and visit family and like even you know like where parents are from scotland dundee is still one of the third biggest cities in scotland mm. or fourth or was one of the two <laughs> um but like you know so i got a taste of nature there but like when i heard music it was truly inspired by it like it felt kind of like alien to me because it's not what i was familiar with oh, so that's why i love a band like enslaved so much like after watching the enslaved documentary they talk about how inspired they are by like the beautiful vistas and stuff and like mountain scapes that they're in, that they grew up with so it was kind of like I was kind of living. I love to live vicariously through bands and artists <laughs> that, uh, that yeah. are good at kind of like depicting that beauty through music. Totally, I think as well. Like the Western European sort of history, we were like when when the Romantic era took place. Like there was a real emphasis on like how sublime nature is, and before then there wasn't really like you wouldn't get landscapes in art. Art would always be like a person or a holy thing or an important thing, and then suddenly you had like 
thousands of pictures of mountains and forests like if you go to any charity shop in america there's like always going to be like an alpine view oh there's going to be like a mountain and a river and like when you're a kid where you draw a house you draw your family and then you draw a mountain and a rainbow and a river and some hills (laughs) like that that's very much like um a result of i mean from what i've learned at university take of that what you will whether it's useless or not um is that that's a very much 18th century thing when people started actually writing poetry about nature in that kind of Mm. reverential way yeah 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 no it's um what was i gonna say just sorry this is really dumbing down the point you've just made go for it um I saw a clip of, it was a compilation of old paintings that Bob Ross has drawn. Oh, yeah, I love his, I was thinking of him. But the weird thing was, and I don't know if this is true, or if this was somebody, like, manipulating, like, the works through just fucking whatever, but, like, they showed, like, a transition of every painting he'd ever done, Mm. and it was, like, it was, like, a flowing river, so he was actually drawing a continuation of each painting. This could be utter bullshit. So I don't know if, if, like I said, if it was manipulated, but it was so cool. That is amazing. But it showed, yeah, like a compilation of all his works. And it literally, he was drawing like um, like a continuous kind of That's really mural, cool. I suppose. Wow. Yeah, it was really, it was, it was, it was really impressive. I mean, he's seen as such a cultural icon as well, isn't he? He's, he's very much like a... So wholesome. If, if anything came out about him, I'd be genuinely heartbroken. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure it won't. I mean, he's been dead for a while, so I think um, I think I think that that ship's probably sailed. <laughs> it was an AI trained to paint. Oh, Motherfucker! No fucking AI! They got really? Man, they got you. Not God again! Oh, AI is everywhere now. I saw someone had like had had signed a picture made by AI and been like posted it and been like sold, and I was like, no. What are you doing? I was thinking <laughs> that's some mad foresight <laughs> to be able to like draw a continuous like kind of yeah. mural for all those years. That's why I think that's why it blew my mind so much. Um, speaking of AI, I saw an interesting article. Sorry, this is a bit of a, uh, a 180. Yeah. But apparently there was some YouTuber doing an apology. Um, it was him crying because he was like jerking off to AI. Huh? He was jerking off to AI art of his ex-girlfriend. Um, it was like deep fakes. Like what, on YouTube or what? No, it was like, it, no, what was it? It was deep faked videos he was finding. I don't know how his it got exposed. But in the video, he's there crying, apologizing for it, while his current partner's in the back also crying, and it's just the most awkward thing. That's horrific. I've ever seen. I could that be getting is... some of the details wrong, but that's what it was. Why? It was deep. Why did you make that public? I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Also, why dump that guy? I think it was it was, was Pokimane. Yeah. You ever heard of her before? I don't know. She's some Twitch streamer, but apparently that was the ex-girlfriend. That's who he was watching like deep fake porn of. Oh my god! I got a Twitter notification about her earlier, and oh, and the Twitter notification was, please don't. Jack no, it was please don't, um, please don't sexualize me or something like that. So I guess it was in relation to this whole drama. Damn. Could be, yeah, but it was. I don't care. If it's a streamer, it's just... I mean, I care I mean, I used to be a streamer, so be careful what you say. I'm a failed streamer over here. (laughs) (laughs) Streamer dropout. It seems too much like fake news to me. Like, they're just... They've done it to generate... I don't know, man. Why would you make a video like that? That's what... Publicly, it's bullshit. I mean, yeah. I mean, it does seem kind of generated to, like, garner some attention attention and some views and stuff. But yeah, no, it was just you mentioning the fact that that Bob Ross collage was um, AI that made me think, and I saw a weird post about AI earlier. Just thought I had to share it. I feel like uh, Holton is the opposite of AI when it comes to music, so <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's probably a good way to round out this uh, not quite as chaotic as last time episode. No, not quite, not quite. <laughs> it's not been enough Shrek for it to be chaotic. But yeah, there's three <laughs> amazing albums this week. Um, Holton actually dropped in December 2022. That was the ah, year. that's close enough. Yeah, honestly, I like that album enough that I was like, I'm going to review it for this because yeah. I, I love it and it needs to be... I think because when you release something that late into the year, it's hard for people to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, so it deserves some love. 100%. 100%. One honey. One honey. If you enjoyed this episode, feel feel free to like and subscribe. This was not sponsored by anybody, um, including Skillshare. We weren't sponsored by Skillshare. But yeah, please subscribe to us so we can at some point say that we are and have lots of money. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Until next time. <laughs>